You're listening to the Football Ramble. We are in the thick of the European Summer Festival of Football and it's looking beautiful in a club-branded polo shirt. It's Monday, the 10th of August. I'm Kate Mason. I'm Luke Moore. And I'm Vidushna Hunter-Rajan. Producer Charlie has locked the doors and shut all the windows and we are trapped in here and <laughs> <laughs> I've got sweat not pouring out my eyeballs. She's not like an emotional cry for help. We could put, we could put a number in now, couldn't we? Someone yeah. doing a voiceover. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Kate, just so you know, um, pretty much every single person listening to this right now has got a proper job. So they're not going to have any sympathy for you because you're a bit hot. We might not make it to the end of this. He <laughs> cut off the oxygen. The, the new people will come in tomorrow and over our, climb over our dead bodies and do the show as normal. Actually, you're in tomorrow, so do stay alive. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, try, I'm, try, I'm trying. <laughs> okay. I am trying. I'm trying. Yeah. I don't think you're trying very hard. <laughs> yeah, you I have only either. been in it for 10 minutes. Vish, I find that you you, you really do get the fibre and the character of someone when the going gets a little bit tough. So <laughs> yeah. That's what I find. Vish, you're relaxed. You're in your shorts and t-shirt. You're relaxed. You're looking forward to a great show. Um, I'm doing the same thing I always do, which, which most people hate. And Kate <laughs> has crumbled into a husk of a human being because the temperature has hit about 25 degrees Celsius. It's too, it's too down at half time. You're looking around the je- dressing room for your generals <laughs> yeah. and Kate's there with her shoes off, banging at the door saying, let me out, yeah, yeah. let me out. Yeah. Just whimpering. Yeah. Let's not forget, I used to live in a country that was 55 degrees in the summer was pretty normal. So Yeah, you should be fine. But you, you definitely weren't. absolutely in, fine. But you they definitely had weren't interminable then. Mm. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't say anything. Actually, no. <laughs> yawning. Just yeah. yawning, stretching. Yeah. It's good to be here on a Monday. Yeah. Well, let's keep this all very organised and straightforward yeah. so that we can get out of here alive, or at least you can, Luke. You've changed the tune. <clears throat> European football. Yes. It's on. It's the Champions League, and it's going to be done in five minutes, so we better make the most of it. Yeah. Let's start with Manchester City. <laughs> Two? Real, Why are you laughing? Because Real Madrid certainly were done in five minutes, but <laughs> yeah. they took it very literally. Yes, the question really is whether Rafael Varane actually plays for City or not. I can't, I can't get to the heart of that. But anyway, City 2, Real Madrid 1, 4-2 on aggregate. Through they go. I mean, probably the man who had the most impact on this game was the man not on the pitch, and I'm not talking about Gareth Bale. Yeah. Sergio Ramos, what do we reckon? Um, I reckon that um, had he been playing golf with Gareth instead, all the players wouldn't have been looking at him from on the pitch to the sideline every five minutes and would have kept their eye on the ball a little bit more. But no, he was uh, obviously a big miss for them. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a really, really important player for them. Um, been there, seen it, done it all. Um, he looks like the barista that works in the coffee shop near my house. Mm-hmm. When he's drawing... It's, it's interesting. It's kind, of like seeing a pl- it's kind of like seeing a teacher outside of school, right? You don't really expect to see them dressed in that kind of way. And you, and you almost think, what are you doing here? And why are you dressed like that? And Ramos had the look of a barista at a coffee shop slash snooker ref. I thought he looked a bit like the Wario version of Gareth Southgate. Like yes. The evil, evil twin. Gareth Southgate in the upside down. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yeah. 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 He, um, he's a very, as you said, you know, like seeing teachers outside of school. He's a very odd looking, handsome man. Yeah. He looks like he looks like Val Kilmer in the back of a spoon. Val Kilmer, yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big fan of that. Yeah, yeah. I actually think um, the reason they were looking over to him was because uh, they were shook, weren't they? I wondered if the gap between 
you know, so what this first leg was played in February, wasn't it? Um, yeah, way back in the day. Yeah, and uh, it was mentioned on Friday's show that Real Madrid are a different beast now. They grind results out and they've obviously come back and, and won the league. But it looked like even with the amount of time that has passed, that they were shook. They were f- fearful of Man City, which is why Rafael Varane makes that mistake in the first place. Twice, he basically made two mistakes in one mistake, which was incredible. And also, did we not think Courtois should have done a lot better there? Because yeah. he could have, you know, another goalkeeper takes out Jesus. And yeah. really, Jesus might still score, but you still take him out. Yeah. And I just thought, why? if you're that big, why aren't you throwing yourself around? He was slow for the first one as well. Yeah. I mean, if you look at how Raheem Sterling finishes it, it's a bit of a scuffed finish that's so bad, Courtois actually goes past it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't oh, sorry, I meant, I meant the first goal. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Jesus, the first goal, sorry, he, the he, goal yeah. yeah, he doesn't take the ball and smash it in the corner. He scuffs it. Yeah, he doesn't. It's like he doesn't expect to get it, but Courtois doesn't save it. And the second goal, obviously, he's very indecisive. But um, I wonder. I wonder whether Real Madrid could deal with any aspect of Man City on Friday night. I, th- I think, and, and Andy, the point Andy made, I think it was on Friday, which I think was the most pertinent for this game, is that it became clear that Manchester City, knowing that they can't realistically finish above or below second in the, in the league, were building up for this game repeatedly. I think Andy called them like glorified training sessions or whatever, but mm-hmm. working on their shape. And and that, that appeared, appeared to be the case. I thought Gabriel Jesus was absolutely amazing, like fantastic. To, 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 to be able to play at that level with that level of intensity and that heat, um, for that long against that team was 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 incredible, and 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 the final point I'd make, I'd throw back to you guys, is just that Modric, Casemiro, and Kroos is the midfield that started the 2016 Champions League final. I mean, we're four years on here now. We're looking at Modric. I think is 35 next month. I know Casemiro has been vastly improved, and, and and in general, but you wonder whether Zidane is now doing what Andy and I accused him of doing sort of earlier this season on OTC of essentially just. A, a Real Madrid tribute act now to the stuff that he did before. He, he's been tasked with bringing young players through at the big games. He doesn't really seem to want to do that unless he absolutely has to. Um, and, you know, if you take Modric, Ch- producer Charlie and I were talking just before the show about how you know, the, the natural zenith of, of Modric's career felt like it was when he wins the best player of the tournament at World Cup 2018. Yet two years on, here we are, still expected to do something against a team of such intensity in the latter stages of the Champions League. And, can he really do it? On that evidence, no. Do I blame him for not being able to do it when he's almost 35? No. Mm. So it's, it's, it speaks to a kind of wider problem, I'd say. But overall, amazing coming of age, two legs for Man City against Real Madrid. You've got to beat teams like Real Madrid across two legs to do it. And, and they've done so. So good on them. Yeah. And it's to your point, you know, it's not just because obviously Varane made those. Well, there's three elements to it, really. Courtois as we talked about quite a bit with David De Gea, you know, if your defence isn't very good or if your goalkeeper isn't very good, then your defence and goalkeeper respectively are a bit more nervous. So yeah, I think probably course. that's what Courtois was having an issue with there. Oh, yeah, but maybe. if Gabriel Jesus doesn't harry and run and stress out Varane as much as he was doing, then he probably doesn't make that mistake. And even if he does, Jesus is not straight onto it. So, you know, huge credit to, yeah. to Jesus as well. And I think, I think um, Courtois probably wouldn't reasonably expect Rafa Varane to be, Varane to be doing that. No. I mean, he's a, he's a Rolls Royce of a player whenever I see him play. I was really surprised. Mm, it was bizarre. Maybe it's just because, as you've alluded to, that, you know, the defensive unit isn't as, as solid because Ramos isn't there or whatever. But yeah, I mean... Jesus, there's a lot of Ian Wright about it, wasn't there? Just, just, just bombing on, chasing everything all the time for the whole game. But they do it so well as a unit. And you know, 
what? Pep Guardiola was so excited he had fully sweated through <laughs> a shirt and a woolen jumper. Well, I now empathise with that. Yeah. <laughs> I find that yeah, but if you were somewhat Pep, shocking. Kate, if you were Kate, uh, sorry, if you were Pep, you'd be wearing a jumper now still and not taking it off even though you're sweating but through But what it. I don't understand is Zidane, like, guys, you have this classic and easy way of getting through the whole sweat patches situation, which is, as Zidane does, you wear a jacket, yeah, it's pretty unpleasant under dark, there, but yeah. it's dark, yeah. mm-hmm. you've got a, n- a number of layers to go through. Yeah. That's what you're doing in that scenario. If you go- And also his T-shirt was black. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he could have taken the jumper off. How do you approach that situation, Fish, generally? He's in a black T-shirt. Was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he is. Well, I am in a black T-shirt, yeah. yeah. But I, I think what Pep did there is, a, some, is something that a lot of guys do um, and it's a trap they fall into and it's a trap I fall into as well where you wear a, a shirt under a jumper but you're not comfortable enough to wear the shirt yeah. outright on its own because yeah. it might be an embarrassing shirt it might have been a it was mu- like a Snoopy a Muppet, shirt or something, yeah, or like a Muppet it? Baby yeah. like don't put it on then yeah or, or you're, you're on the like world stage female body inspector one of those <laughs> yeah um, or, or what about um Bomb disposal. If you see me running, just try and keep up. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Or, a dad, probably a dad T-shirt. That yeah. I like the Pope. The Pope smokes dope. Yeah, that's another good one. <laughs> like a Have Photoshop, a Photoshop just... Pope with like a spliff. Are you he just coming through yeah. your wardrobe? Uh, an alien <laughs> with a spliff saying, "Take me to your dealer." Yeah. <laughs> He's really yeah. chip of the tongue for Luke Moore, yeah, don't they? Yeah. They? yeah. Oh. All of those, all of those, all the yeah. big ones. Um, I just thought just with the nudie lady yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I did. That, it was quite cool when you saw um, at the end of the game Pep and Zidane sitting down on the cooler chatting to each other. Yeah. Because they're two, two people. Who wear their genius very differently, quite literally, in what they were, you know, in their outfits. But you know, you've got Zidane, who's this this suave kind of Fonzie type, just you know, bangs around with your team, and sometimes it works. And then you've got, <laughs> and then you've got Guardiola, who's just a very kind of Joker like figure, just a, a maniac who might one day kill, but has. But do you think Pep Guardiola? How long yeah. do you reckon it took Pep Guardiola to calm down from that win? No, no, I think he's still fuming still now. Yeah, he's, still, he's still pacing. Yeah. I think he's <laughs> in his house, there's like a groove. You know, like dads have a groove in the sofa, but yeah. he's got one where he just marches up and down the hallway and that's just kind of... Because he's always on the phone to Nathan Redmond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, I was, if I was Nathan Redmond, I would have pulled a clop on Ferguson and called him up at 3am being like, oh, yes. mate, you know, <laughs> Congrats. well done. Yeah, yeah it was, it was, and what, what, I, um, what I really enjoyed about the game overall, by the way, there was just to have that level of top European football back to watch and mm. to and to to enjoy without a dog in the fight. Obviously, I mean, I did miss the crowd. I said on um, the show last week when I rewatched the first legs of these games, oh. it felt so different. Like it just felt so nostalgic because because the crowd was so important and such an important part of it. And so it was sad not to have that. But other than that, it was it was great. It was great to watch. It's like when people snog in films these days. Whoa! Don't snog do, Yeah, what you are you doing? Know. Social distancing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Especially if your parent, if you're sitting there watching it with your parents. Is yeah. that what you? God. Yeah, I um, this is dreadful. I don't know why I did this. I no, I think I didn't know why I did this because I was off my head a bit. But um, I recently, I, I was living at home and I recently got the DVD Girl Next Door, which I'm not familiar. I've never with. even heard of it. No, Girl Next Door. Is, oh God, is it a? Po- no, it's not a porn film. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, well, t- you know, it's not a porn film, but it is a film about a porn star. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, and I sat down and put it on while I was like eating some <laughs> rotten takeaway, and my parents came in because I was watching a film, and they sat down for all of it. When was this? 
This was would have been when did it come out? Maybe like twelve years ago. Why you said that like it was last week? Last week? No, no, no. This was during lockdown. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't get away from each other. Pretty bad. Well, it's still you know it was twelve years ago. You just press the button, shall we? I'll finish watching it later or whatever. I I, I don't know. I think I was in that drunken stupid. You know when you come back um, drunk to your parents and you want to pretend that you're normal. Mm. I'm just watching a film here. Yeah. Porn star, whatever. Yeah. You get over it, mum. How was your day, mum? You You get really chatty as well. Um, So that was. Yeah. How do we get onto this? <laughs> I'm not really sure, to be honest. <laughs> so yeah, Man City are good, aren't they? Yeah. Champions League, isn't it? Oh. The reason I bring up Sergio Ramos, there you go, you can yeah. give me the fiver later, yeah. is because I do find it a bit annoying that he is getting himself sent off. 26th red it was in the first leg. Yeah. Okay, a soft red, you could argue, but you know he's, the, he's in charge, he's the captain. You can see how he sticks yeah. the team together. And if you're just not going to be there for a game as big as this for your club, yeah. it kind of undoes a lot of the work that you do do in frightening everyone and making them stressed. If you look at the circumstantial evidence, you could say it was a soft red. On the other hand, 26, Ramos. 26 reds isn't a coincidence, is it? No. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's obviously shown that part of his game is definitely there for everyone to see. Um, and, you know, some players are greater than the sum of what they offer in terms mm. of their skills and, and his experience and his leadership. I, I, I remember thinking at one point watching the game that particularly when Varane makes the first mistake, they're looking around. And they're thinking, mm. they're looking, they don't know where they're looking to because they think, oh, well, Ramos is the guy they normally look to. I actually thought Eddie Militao had a pretty good game um, in, 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 in replacement of him, but it's not the same. Is it? And, and another thing we should, we should mention is that Aiden Hazard was a shadow, an absolute shadow of, of what we've come to expect from him when we've seen him regularly. And he was no factor in the game at all. And on those kind of nights, when it's going against you, when the other team are playing well and they're, and they're dominating, you sometimes need a bit of inspiration from one of those types of players. He doesn't look fit to me. He was uh, he was massively strapped up at the end. I don't know if you yeah. saw. He was like covered in but, ice on his ankle and his in his calf. And um, Gabriel Jesus was like skipping off, having played the full night. Yeah. looking Gabriel, as though he hadn't done anything. And poor old Hazard's like limping. Gabriel Jesus appeared to do about fifteen interviews afterwards as well. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'll do them all. I don't mind. I'll do all of them. But I, I, when I say he's not fit, I know he's had his injury problems. But I, I, I'm loath to say this in the position I'm in as a human being. But he looks a little bit overweight. He looks a little bit like he's not quite at it. I, I, th- I think that's just his body shape. Yeah, no, he, it is. Generally, yeah. carried... he's got a lot of junk in that trunk. Yeah, 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 and, and that's that's part of the reason. why That's it's not, not what good. that means. He's got a big ass. He's got a big ass. Has hard. Is that what that means? That's what it means, right? Yeah. yeah. Did you oh, not know that? That's not what I thought it meant. <laughs> Do you think it was a literal trunk? It was like someone's messy car. I, I Do you think my jazz has got junk in the trunk? <laughs> it has. Yeah. Big time. It's got junk in the front and that as well. body. As well. <laughs> um, that's what. That's what it means. He's got. A, he's got a big, powerful trunk. I thought it? it was naughtier than that. Actually. No, it's not. It's not, Kate. That says more about you than anyone else. Jesus Christ. Yeah, come on, Kate. All right. On to another team that may rely, may, may rely slightly too much on one man. <laughs> uh, Barcelona are through to the quarterfinals for the 13th consecutive season, the five-time champions. 3-1, they beat Napoli on the night. 4-2 on aggregate. I mean, the first half was absolutely mad, not just because of VAR, but because of that extraordinary messy goal. Yeah. Kind of because of the Clement Longley ten minutes. Oh, in fact, um, Napoli could have scored in the first couple of couple of minutes. Uh, Dries Mertens kind of shinned it off the uh, post. Yeah, off the post. Uh, so that would have changed the whole perspective of the game, I think, uh, because you know Barcelona, frankly, didn't. I think it's fair to say look that good aside. Um, they had a couple of set piece goals and some 
some messy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some overblown messy stuff. <gasps> what? <laughs> Steady on. No, what was cool about that? I mean, the finish. We're going to talk about. This. Should we just talk about the goal now? Is that naughty? Sure, do what you it's want. A bit, it's a bit basic, isn't do what you it? Want. No, it's a bit basic to talk about we're the Leo Messi. Basic, I can tell that Fish has got some, Fish has got a hot take. So let's just let him get it. <laughs> all right, all right. The point <laughs> yeah. about the finish is yeah. that it was absolutely amazing. The bits that came before were extraordinary in their own way. Fish. Sure. Um. It, it was a good goal. Oh. But because Messi scored it, and because he's old, I think it's a bit like you know when you see someone old on the beach and like, oh, don't they look great? Wouldn't you love to, you know, well, be like with when them? That, that picture of Bruce Springsteen ran down the beach about yeah, six and months ago. And it's like, he no, looks he looks amazing. Yeah, but, he, but, like, but he's almost 70. But he, look, but he looks he's old. He's 33. You know? I mean, yeah, he's no... Oh, Bruce Springsteen? No fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, like, because he fell over as well, people felt it's, oh, God, you know, help him up. He's so, old. So, do you know what reminded <laughs> Sorry, me Sorry, on Bruce Springsteen here, all messed It reminded me of a, in a weird way, of the of the classic George Weyer goal, which I take you guys are both yes, aware of. Yes, yeah, yeah. Where it is an amazing goal, and everyone knows it, but he does lose the ball a couple of times and then sort of fortuitously get it back. But that's cool. That's what's cool about it. No? Even, even the finish for Messi's goal, because he falls over, it means he's able to get that curl around that Did it defender? feel like a tribute to a, to a, like a tribute act Messi goal? They feel like a facsimile of a Messi goal. Yeah, well, it, it looked like if you were to clone a Messi goal, but then it was contaminated by outside sources. Mm. And so, you know, like the fly, basically. <laughs> <You've got laughs> who's who's the fly in this scenario? Who's, who's got in there? The, the goal is the fly. Gabriel Oberton's got in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, with a bit of like David Bellion hair. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but Fish, it's not it's about a contaminated how... sample of a messy. No, girl. it's yeah. because it's not about it being perfect all the time. It's but about Messi how about you bit... react. But it's about sure. how he reacted. It's about the fact that he decided the to go of it, through yeah, the yeah. two defenders, yeah. um, Lorenzo Insigne and Marco Rui. He just Ma- Mario Rui. He was just like, bam! I'm going through there. I've scuffed it up a bit. I'm reacting. It's how you get up from your fool. Yes. Fish, yeah. I Rocky. would argue. Rocky. As a theory. To be, to be fair, to be fair, the way you put it there is, you know, in, in hindsight now, probably why people went so doolally about it. Because, <laughs> But it, it is messy in a microcosm, isn't it? Because it is the skill to retain possession or at least get back possession and also to go down and, and get up because that's, you know, you'll see one of the things that is always thrown up in these Messi-Ronaldo debates is the fact that Messi gets kicked a hell of a lot and mm. doesn't go down because he's able to compute where when it's value for him, staying on his feet. And, and obviously that was a great example on Friday. I still think it was a little bit overblown. What I loved about it... I'm a little bit more one round now. I'm going to abstain actually on the Messi game. Oh my now. God, you can't now abstain. <laughs> what is really nice and Messi-ish about when you watch that goal back is that the shot initially, when the not even when the highlights start, but not long before he's going to go in and um, score that goal, he's not even in the shot because he's just doing that messy thing of just like walking along, yeah. just floating a bit. Because he's old, and, la- old going, and lazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. It's because he can even, read the game, Vish. Even Springsteen's running. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Even Springsteen's bombing down the right. There's for no that. point in pointlessly running. The, the, other, the other thing about that goal was the lead up to it was actually, what, 20 odd passes or something? Yeah. Well, Charlie, producer Charlie was saying that the accuracy combined of both sides in this game was 91%, which is the highest in the Champions League since 2003. So of the passing. A lot of passing going on. Not of the but, shots, for sure. But, but this, this, no, this speaks to a wider point about what it is to be a modern football fan, though, right? Because. There is no capacity really now. If you are someone who's plugged into the Matrix and you are on Twitter and you're on Instagram and you're following all this other stuff, it's actually quite difficult to cut through all the noise and work out what you actually think about something. 
And um, when we come on to Pirlo later in the show, I'm sure we'll mention that as well, because he's certainly someone who suffered from that. And maybe I'll come on to that in more detail later. But with that goal that Messi scored, it's a good goal. It's a great goal for different reasons. We've discussed it, but it almost seems to be, everything seems to be leapt on to such a degree so quickly in football these days, online particularly. And the analysis is so deep and so overblown and so like long lasting that it actually does, t- you end up tying yourself up in knots and not really knowing actually what you think. And so it's hard to judge things on their face value and on their merit. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think it's also, you you tend to pull back when trying to articulate that on social media as well, mm. don't you? Um, yeah. Well, like, as in not go against the grain? Yeah, or? or just like saying anything, you just end up, well, certainly I find that you just end up say, just saying nothing at all. Yeah. You're like, you, you even kind of, you, you temper your immediate emotional reaction to it. You're like, you know, sometimes you might be fucking out what a great goal. Yeah. And you're like, oh, someone is going to chime in any minute now and tell yeah. me why it's not a great goal. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I suppose that, yeah, that's a good example of that. I, I, I... Doesn't happen if you mute every follower. <laughs> no. Back, as we learned before. That's a life's work, isn't it? Yeah. Thank you very much. I'm very proud of it. Yeah. Well, you, you, extraordinary. <laughs> so you had a, you had a great um, and a really intelligent tweet, I thought, on, on Friday. Um, but, because it, because, but because it was about football and because of the nature of it, my immediate reaction to reading it was like, fucking okay, what have you done now? Yeah. <laughs> but it was when you talked about, actually, will this, we talked about Liverpool's league title having an asterisk, if Manchester City go on and win the Champions League. Basically, is this the Champions League they wanted? Did they want it like this? Do they just want the trophy? Yeah. Or do they want to have gone through the graft of beating big teams over two legs for the sustained, you know, for the whole tournament and then have this showpiece final in front of everyone and for all of them to see what they've achieved. And I think there is a little bit of that. And I suppose we don't really know because it's not about, it's not even really about Guardiola, is it? It's about the club, the institution as a whole and the people who own it. But I I think that was an important point. But as soon as you tweeted it, I was like, oh no, come on. Hmm. I've seen your Instagram comments. Why do you need any of this in your life? (laughs) Yeah, It was people, yeah. Well, yeah. I think it's an important question to ask. But, I, th- yeah. I think it's... I'm it's not, an example of I'm not what trying saying, to, yeah. I'm not trying to have a go. And I think that's the other thing, is that everyone assumes that there's some sort of, like, Agenda. you're trying yeah, to yeah. cause some sort of ruckus. I just literally was thinking about it. Maybe that was stupid. Mm. But anyway, yeah, it is really interesting. And because, you know, we're going to be watching um, the quarterfinals Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then next week it's going to be done. Like, it's mad, isn't it, that you would... That yeah. This kind of thing. Because if you think about... Especially in comparison with last season. If you think about last season's Champions League... And I mean, obviously, as a Spurs fan, I have like a glowing smile on my face. But you remember how it was just the comebacks and the building of tension. And this this round is not going to have that, even though it will be exciting. But I think it does depend. I mean, it depends on your outlook, because it's very difficult to compare different seasons of the Champions League anyway, because different teams these days at the top level in different stages, their development and their cycles and all that kind of stuff. And if... If we at least accept that the, the playing the, the field is even, like I mean, I know that it's going down to one game instead of two. It depends on your outlook, and what I mean by that is, if you're a top team, you might quite fancy having a second leg in case you have an off day. You got a chance to put it right. But the other, obviously, the flip side to that is, you know, it, it can work exactly the opposite way against the team you're playing against because all the teams are so good. So, 
you know, look, I, th- I think you've got to fall back to the backstop, which is that this is, the alternative to this was literally nothing at all. So we have to accept it. Oh, no, 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 no absolutely. And absolutely. I'm not saying don't but, do it. But I'm excited about it. To answer your question more accurately, then, I don't personally think that there should be any kind of discussion that if whoever wins the Champions League this season has done it in a slightly easier way. If, that, if that's the question, as I understand it, I don't, I don't agree with yeah, that. Yeah, no, and I think that's fine for the... Well, spot on for the reasons you outlined there. It's a bit like how you could you'd back kind of a low tennis player to beat you know a Novak Djokovic in one set of tennis, but over five sets. Yeah, yeah. That's, or so the, easily, the, the greater quality wins out there. But, but, but on the be, tour where it's best of three rather than in a grand yeah. slam where it's best of five. Yeah. And just to be very very, sure. I know we need to move on, but very very quickly to, to further articulate what I mean about the the, compa- the comparison between different seasons is that you know one of the greatest achievements any t- team has ever done is defended the European Cup in 79 and 80, Forest under, under Clough. Mm. It's amazing. It's unimpeachable, in my opinion, for a team to do that, a team of their size and how they did it. But if you look at the teams they played, I mean, those teams are nowhere now and they're straight knockout games. They're not, there's no group. There's, it, 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 what I'm saying is, I'm not denigrating it, Nottingham Forest fans, so don't get on my back, um, but it's different. And every season is different in a way. But the important thing is the playing field is as even as possible to give people you know, the fairest chance to, to, to achieve. And I don't think it's cheapened in any way what we're doing over the next couple of weeks. But it might just be that I'm obsessed with watching top-level football, so I just, I'll make any excuse for it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. If City do end up winning the Champions League, granted it might, might not be how they would have envisaged it, but I don't think you can take it away from them, especially yeah. the way they've dispatched Real Madrid with such ease over two legs. Yeah. Yep. All right then. Well, I think we certainly dispatched Real Madrid with ease there over just a single part, guys. Uh, coming up, we're going to be talking topics and we're going to be talking, could we say, the most extraordinary change of personality from Sarri to Pirlo. It's quite the rebound, isn't it's it? It's quite the rebound. <laughs> See you in a minute. Welcome back, guys. Thanks for sticking with us, assuming you have. Otherwise, you're not hearing this, so that's absolutely fine. We've got a new feature. As you heard on Friday's show, we're introducing the topics. And the question is, this time, which feature would you add to your own summer tournament? We concentrate on the topics. We're pretty good to many topics today. You can't dance, can you, Kate? <laughs> no, she can't. What is that? Yeah. Demented crab. I was just thinking that. I was thinking, which way should I look here? Yeah. yeah. It's got some quite, quite vibey, kind of D'Angelo-esque music coming in there, yeah. and then you're doing that. Um, can, I, can I also just say that, um, although Daniel Farker has sadly departed the Premier League shores, his memory will very much live on this season and next season with the topic. It's what, it's what he would have wanted. Yeah, it's a legacy, isn't it? He's set out for the next person that comes along. I know he's still the manager of Norwich currently, but I'm just saying, realistically, we're not going to speak about him as much because he's no longer in the Premier League, but he is going to feature on this show. And when he mixed that for us, he said, you know, guys, yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. You know, certainly. I'm sorry that you don't cover the championship as much as you should, some people say. Very but competitive rates as well. He's did that all did that whole thing for us for a hundred quid plus of that. That's that's his sample as well, isn't yeah, it? Exactly. Yeah. He's yeah. just such a great He's guy. multi-talented. So which unique feature would you add to your own summer tournament? Vish, do you want to go first? Because we've had some good responses, haven't we? Yeah, we have, yeah. We've got one from Jake Barnett here who says, When I was a kid playing soccer in America, we went to a tournament in Pennsylvania. The extra time rules were seven v seven golden goal with no keepers on a full-size pitch. <laughs> That is obscene. Yeah. Every yeah, five minutes, each team would have 
would have to go down a player until eventually someone scored. Both times we went, we lost off the kickoff. How chaotic would this be in the Champions League? I think this is ridiculous. <laughs> it is the rulings of a mad man or woman whoever came up with this. Um, I think this has been, I think at some point, some kind of pundit or perhaps even a lawmaker has suggested that the removal of a player, because you, I'll tell you why, because you know, it's coming back to me now, a while back, and it, and it resulted in the silver goal and the golden goal in tournaments, which we all remember, the, the footballing authorities became obsessed with avoiding penalty shootouts at all costs. And that's how we end up with that. But I'm pretty sure it was mooted at some point to remove a player from each team at extra time after a certain amount of time. So, that, that has been talk- made up. It has been talked about. It's definitely been talked Jake about. Jake Barnett. The thing I don't get here, though, is even at the very start of extra time, 7v7 golden goal, all right, on a full-size pitch. You're already knackered. Yeah. yeah. You don't, yeah. And, you, and you could end up, no you could end up with well. no one. You could just end up with no one, I guess, if people just sort of, they keep getting, one person gets removed, everyone's very tired, they're still tired. I, mean, I, th- I, th- I think... Just the, the ball, just the ball <laughs> on the pitch of the referee. I, I know, watch I, it, watch the football. On a full-size pitch, if it goes down to, let's say, three versus three, I think you're very unlikely to not see a goal. You, I mean, you, but surely, presumably the reason that Jake lost twice on the kickoff is because they just booted it into the empty net. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So I right. mean, so it happens. I'm sorry, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not. Back- you're, you're probably, he's probably not a fan as well. He's got bad memories of it. Yeah, yeah. He's some kind of catharsis. This. In, in, yeah. uh, stuff. So it sounds like we're not backing that one. How no. about this next one from Ben Steele? Should say thank you guys so much for tweeting these all in and emailing them. in there's there's been a lot. So I think yeah. we should be able to put together a pretty a impressive yeah. summer tournament. Don't you worry. Uh, this one from Ben Steele. I'm a huge fan of. Let the keeper handle the ball in either bo- in either box. Coming up for a late corner, game changer. That sounds mental. Well, so the, the other keeper could just throw it into the net, basically. No, I've, I've, I'm a fan of this. Oh, I, I've, I've, I've always thought, actually, the keepers should be able to handle it in both boxes. Do, You've do you... always thought that? Yeah, generally. I thought, because it's, almost, it's like their safe zone. They can really be themselves. <laughs> And how I would they like, get from one to the other, though? Well, they, that's, so they'd come up for a corner. So like, it's it like a no man's land in between. Yeah, basically. they'd have to leg it like a British bulldog. They'd have to <laughs> run over, and people have to throw stuff at them and tackle them. They'd have, uh, they'd get the Adama throwaway arms, I reckon. Yeah, the oil. Yeah, the oil. Yeah, they'd be covered head to toe in oil, wouldn't they? Head to toe. Strip off. Yeah. Covered in oil. Sorry, they're it. naked now. Yeah. But then, but then Every that becomes. Every bloody that, time. But Every that, time. <laughs> that becomes an issue because when they get to the other box and they need to handle the ball. Difficult hands, for other people. Hands, cover, hands covered in grease. Yeah, Slippery. true. And also, if you're naked and greasy, no one's going to mark you. True. <laughs> worth pointing Speak out. for yourself, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I think me and Bish might be in a very different camp to Kate on that. But um, you know what? It reminds me of this. It reminds me of Sky Sports News run, I think, in the summer once, a few years ago, where they got prominent people in football to talk about slight rule changes they would make to the game. And it was kind of like boring stuff. Like, for me, you know... The throw-in rule should be this and not this, and and, and then it came to David O'Leary at the end. Long-term listeners of the show will probably remember this. It came to David O'Leary at the end. He just went, "I've always said that goalkeepers shouldn't ever be able to leave the box under any circumstances." It's like, <laughs> Where's that come from, David? Where's like, he gonna, how's he going to get the ball? You're currently the manager of a top club. Why are you thinking about that kind of stuff? Just focus on the rules that do actually exist. Also, the angle with which he said it is almost like he was like he as a kid he got left in a penalty box once because his father, who was a keeper, left. Him there. Yeah, so he's yeah. never asked to leave. Yeah, he had to come back. He went out for milk. 
<laughs> He's already wearing his slippers. What about this one then from Gavin McHugh? He says, for my summer tournament, specifically a World Cup, huh. I would only have 31 teams qualify. Then the 32nd team would be a best of the world 11, like a best of the rest 11, cons- consisting of players from teams who didn't qualify. For example, the 32nd team of the 2018 World Cup could have featured Pulisic, Sanchez, Buffon and Gareth Bale. Well, Gareth Bale wouldn't have turned up, obviously. Um, <laughs> he likes so, playing for Wales. Oh. He wouldn't be playing for Wales. Yeah, he likes playing for other teams, potentially. Only, only Wales. Golf, Wales, Real Madrid in that order. Mm. Where does the rest of the World Eleven fit in? It wasn't on the flag. We don't know. Is it a bit like... Um, That's a good idea, though. That'd be, it'd be epic. Because you definitely see every the best player. What you should do is you should have a coefficient ranking for the managers as well. And the top ranking coefficient manager who was currently out of a job should get the job to manage them. So you get, co- get all the big characters at every World Cup. You said coefficient and I Sorry, lost yeah. the end of that yeah. bit. Don't worry. It wasn't important. Okay. <laughs> everything, there isn't actually an unwritten rule about broadcasting. Everything mentioned after the word coefficient doesn't, doesn't count. count. <laughs> yeah, it's like a do-over. Um, right, thanks for listening to the football. Yeah. <laughs> the, so... It, would it be like in the Olympics where you have independent athletes? You know, when they like leave a country, oh, a country yeah. breaks up. And well, they... that's for doping normally, isn't it, at the moment? No, no it's for disputed uh, territories uh, as no, well. No, yeah, for disputed yeah, territories. Yeah, okay, fair enough. So you, so you could have that. That could be quite interesting. Mm. But then, for example, like players, when they retire from international duty, if they just fancied like a summer jaunt, they could be like, well, well let's get our lads together. And I, I think Kevin Prince Boateng on the blow, I'd be like, come oh, on. be brilliant. I, yeah. I think that is a disgraceful comment on the state of the World Cup of you doing that. <laughs> oh yeah, just players who've decided to retire from international football, they can come back. Yeah, do like a Henrik Larsson. Oh, you know? well, we love Henrik Larsson, but he did it. Well, it's not yeah, going to be... 30. Ryan Giggs played for Great Britain at the Olympics. True, that is true. <laughs> it's not going to be 32 teams anymore, is it? So when it's oh, yeah, up good to... Point. 40 some. It's going to be 164. How, far, how, long, how long do you think it'll be until we. And we, we're going to be there sooner than we think because football loves eating itself. Not like that. Um, <laughs> till we get club sides in a, World Cup, in a World Cup. How would that even be possible? Because something will happen, money will change hands. And there's there's a war thing, going on between there? the club game and the international game, isn't there? No, I know, but just something. It'll be a way. It'll be a way of you know part of the peace talks between international football and club football. Well, okay, we agree with that concession, but in return, you're going to have to let Man United in the World Cup. Well, the Paris Saint Germain will play in the World it'd Cup. Be like so FIFA, it'd be like playing FIFA. It'd be like playing FIFA against some kind of 13 year old online who always insists yeah. on being France. <laughs> so it's the Club World Cup, but with brackets club. Basically, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm really thinking about PSG here because they want to win yeah. something more than they would almost certainly get to the quarterfinal, wouldn't they? <laughs> Let's be fair. Let's be fair, <laughs> and no further. Anyway, loads more of those for the rest of the week, Kate. Right? Yeah, it sounds like Vish has already got his. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been sending these in? Are these yours? <laughs> Okay, yeah, no, actually about, about three of them are from Vish. So <laughs> yeah. thank, thank you, Vish. Thank you for contributing. And thanks to all the people out, the real people, for contributing. I'm a real person. <laughs> <laughs> Email show at footballrambledaily.com with yours, please. Or tweet us using uh, Ramble Topics as the hashtag. And we will be getting to them all of this week and apparently coming up with 600 of our own. Yeah. But now, let's head to Italy. Where? What an extraordinary turn of events, no? Yeah, incredible. On Friday, though, not extraordinary to Luke Moore, he predicted it. Those t- that 200, 
200 pack of Benson and Hedges and a Spitfire. Oh, I think most people knew that old Smokey Morris was going to be doing the off, <laughs> as Jim calls him, Smokey Morris was doing the off. I mean, but I don't think many people suggested that. So he came in on PLO on August the 8th to be the under-23s boss. Yeah. What a promotion. This is what I'm talking about. But I think we have to understand the sheer level of hatred that everyone had for Maurizio Sarri at Juventus, oh. which is sad, but obviously he's like an anti-establishment character, isn't he? So they were they were... It was it, it was never going to be. A, it was a marriage of convenience, wasn't it? And I actually think I actually feel very happy for Sarri. I felt a bit sad for him when you know he 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 does. I think the first press conference after they win Serie A, where he ends up talking about his own oh, job, which is yeah, really sad, yeah. given this is a thirty-year management career which has reached its apex for him at Juventus and and the journey he's had, as we used to talk about quite a lot on OTC, um, is is incredible. Um, but, you know, he, he clearly his face didn't fit. He's not the only person to have made mistakes at Juventus over the last however many uh, seasons, and, but he is the one who, who, um, who, um, who, 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 who sacrificed because of it. Has the change been any different anywhere else in football ever before, though, between Maurizio Sarri and Andrea Pirlo? I was trying to think of any examples who's, who's, who's of like an extreme version of that. He hasn't got his pro licence finished yet, and he's never managed or coached a first team game before it's absolutely mad and, and, even, and he hasn't even, even Guardi- taken on the under 23s yet he hasn't no. had time yeah, even, even Guardiola and Zidane had, had obviously managed in you know Castilla and, and Barcelona B and that kind of stuff so it's an interesting situation isn't it? Uh, yeah I mean I, I, I can understand the first bit of it with Sarri going and I think we spoke about it before I think when Andy was on this pod and I was on this pod as well maybe a couple of weeks ago about how you know Juventus is ninth title in a row. Where do they, you know, how much of it will credit will go to Sarri? And, and I suppose it's paid out as expected, as, as you called on on Friday, Luke. The um, the interesting thing is, if you look at that Juventus squad, it is an absolute mess, really. If you think of one of their their high profile player, Cristiano Ronaldo, doesn't fit, and surely doesn't fit into any kind of refurb that they need to do anyway, mm. because they've got you know a squad just full of you know just players that clearly don't go very well together and then if you think of one of their you know one of their most consistent players over the last few years you know Dybala nearly went to Spurs this time last year how mad is that Aaron Ramsey there's already talk of him potentially like you know being put on the transfer market and offered out to teams so well they're near to show their wage bill in a big way yeah, I mean they, they, yeah. they, 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 these signings they've made a lot of them have been opportunistic signings and they've mostly been midfielders because they can sign them right? so, yeah. so they've got Artur coming in Pjanic going the other way that's obviously a replacement so that's not going to make much difference they've got so many players they need to move on for wage reasons and I think the, one of the biggest challenges for Pirlo people talk about how like he knows the club and how he's massively influenced by Ancelotti and Lippi and he's played at the top level and he may well do a great job but it's actually a bigger job than it looks like because on paper they win every year but they haven't been able to um to, to make a decent dent aside from a final or two they have obviously haven't won the Champions League for a very long time and not only has Pirlo got to keep up these standards he's got to change an overblown squad build it around some of these exciting young players like Delict who they've signed and he's got a, he's got a huge job on his hands. You know, one of the big complaints that Juventus were making was that Maurizio Sarri was talking about the Champions League as it would be a dream to win it in quotes. Yeah, and the people yeah. and the hierarchy at Juventus were like, no, we expect a chance for the Champions League every year. And you have to understand that. So Pirlo's got a lot on his plate in the first week in the job and in the first season of the job. And it's it's not great for preparation either because the preseason is going to be truncated. So there's a lot to think about. What I said earlier about um, how it's difficult to get a clear picture of what people are actually like because of the way football's covered these days. Pirlo's a classic example of that. I said this at the time, I got panned for it, and I'm happy, but I'm happy to say it again. It got to the point in Pirlo's career where he was making 15, 20-yard passes that any 
decent top level footballer could make and he was getting YouTube compilations made about it mm-hmm. people loved him whatever he did they loved him and he then becomes like a David Hasselhoff type character where he gets in on the joke himself sits in vineyards with glasses of wine he's got a vineyard <laughs> it's not just sitting in there wears a t-shirt that says no PLO no party <laughs> you know I'm just saying it's an interesting situation it's an interesting crossroads his career because it, it could go really well for him a lot of it's going to hinge on whether he clicks with Ronaldo because Ronaldo understands does so well even though there's not a huge amount of experience as a manager there they obviously had a mutual respect it, that's a key part of it but I don't think it's a stretch to say I'm interested in what you guys think but I don't think it's a stretch to say that it could go very wrong very quickly because he's got no experience to fall back on right? yeah and on the one hand it's hard isn't it because on the one hand it's like is this the right moment to get the sexy work experience guy in or, yeah, but, yeah. but equally, you know, he he was one of the great one of the great midfielders. He's you know, oh yeah, it's like He's won things. He steered his team. He's won. A, he's a bloody World Cup winner. For, mm. Let's not forget. Uh, and he he does seem to have a real fascination with understanding the game. That said, you know, he didn't. We joke about the vineyard, which I hope is has got a strategy, you know, in place because I'm pretty concerned about the vineyard yeah. in the absence of Pirlo. But yeah, I don't think he's doing all the grass. <laughs> let's be absolutely clear. But you know, he didn't particularly want to go straight into management. He very much seemed to be, you know, living the Dolce Vita or whatever. And and could this just be a case of um, Juventus taking this sense of you know the beauty of the Juventus and trying to to market it in a lovely club branded polo shirt who's going to look better him or sorry yeah that's a good point it's a good point it is great news for straight men who think posting photos of attractive older men on instagram is a character trait um <laughs> but, it is, <laughs> but it is it is one of those things that you know, I, I, is that I, a dig at luke sorry I, <laughs> no, I am the, i am an older man i'm just not attractive <laughs> But I, I do think, yeah, there, there is an element of that, isn't it? I think they, they're basically trying to buy... They're, well, they're just basically trying to bring in a brand, aren't they? Yes. Because oh, we must play attractive football because we have this man who played attractive football. And, and it's quite, a fashionable and have move. And looked at him. Yeah, and it is a yeah, very fashionable yeah. move as well. Yeah. I, I, the thing about Juventus, which, you know, you've touched on it there with his lack of badges and things like that. Whatever you might think of them as an entity, whether you think they're the deaths are or not, they're a, they are a meticulous club. Everything they do, you know, is done but with a fine tooth comb. They are really, you know, they're really focused on on what their vision is, what their kind of credibility is. They're quite keen on maintaining their status as being a well run club. And I suppose you could you could throw this in with the signing of Ronaldo as two, you know, two moves that obviously we don't know about Pirlo yet, but. They're just starting to reach, aren't they? And that might feature in to the wider way that people now regard Syria as this kind of thing that now happens almost independently to top flight European football. And is, you know, we'll hear about them winning the league and this, that, and the other. But, you know, in terms of the latter stages of the Champions League in particular, you don't really see much of them and we won't see much of them for the next couple of weeks as well. No. And big, big props to, um, to Leon because, I mean, for a team who've only played two competitive games since March or whatever. It's an incredible performance. And Andy said that they, you know, Rudy Garcia knows how to set up a team. They rode their luck to an extent. Juventus looked a little bit um, sloppy, to say the least. 
and Leon, Leon have gone through and they're in the hat. So so well done to them. But but this this move, although it might feel like at first listen when you say stuff about Ronaldo and, and people listening might be like, well, hang on a minute, he scored X amount of goals, he's done all this stuff, but they've upended their way structure to get him. Does he fit into their team naturally? Is it a forward thinking move to build? particularly what we said earlier about the fact that Pirlo's task might well be to, to, to get this overblown squad to a position where it can start challenging again. Um, I just don't think he's, he's been dropped into like an oven-ready team who are just ready just to make that next step. Um, so it's a big, big challenge and a big ask. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's a forward-thinking move, does it? Immediately after they got rid of Sarri, um, it was Pippo Enzai who was linked in Italy and people obviously linking Mizio Pochettino over here quite yeah. a fair bit as well. I mean, perhaps that would have been more of a, a sense of building from, from the bottom. Who knows? But the fact is, Pirlo as you saw when he was presented as under-23's boss, you know, he's just revered in such a way at that club. It looked like a big appointment of, of a major looked, team, didn't it? It looked yeah. like a, an appointment of a major team. So, you know, what value has that got? It's, you know, it's like getting Diego Maradona in, but yeah. with some more, um, you know, strategy perhaps and... and Okay, I don't few want to talk about... Few advice. Few advice. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't, I've gone down a route I don't really want to go down. <laughs> uh, but anyway, watch the documentary. That is excellent. It is very good, yeah. The Pochettino point is a great one because now he's still lurking above all those top flight managers who are slightly mm. unsure of their job, mm. uh, which is, I suppose, a good thing for people who, who want him in, such as, I don't know, you know, if things don't go very well for Manchester United and he's still available, who knows? Um, I can't remember who exactly it was who said it, but there was a high-profile player who went on to become a manager and he was known very well for his for his um, playing career. And someone asked him, how long have you got before the players decide whether they're having you or not? I mean, how, how long can you trade on that playing career? Mm-mm. And the answer was something like, you've got probably about a minute of the first team talk and they'll <laughs> decide straight away if they know, if they're going to follow you. And if they're not, it's very, very difficult to turn it around. I don't know if that's true though. Because it's just an know- opinion. Yeah. But because but the, the, the other thing is, being said, I interviewed a guy called Professor Chris Brady once who was one of the right-hand men to Carlo Ancelotti. He's like a psychology guy and he does a lot of business stuff with Ancelotti. And he said that um, you know it's much harder than you think to turn a team around. And all the, at the time when I interviewed him, a lot of the... Um, the chat was about how managers don't get enough time. Mm. And, and Professor Chris Brady said, was saying, with data, I've read his book, he wrote a book with Ancelotti, which is called Quiet Leadership. It's an interesting read. And he was saying, with data, actually, it's the opposite to that. If you don't have um, a certain amount of points per game after, say, your first 10 games, the data says you are almost certain to never turn it around. So to get, to get a really good start is going to be really important for, for Pirlo. And you know, we'll be watching the first game he takes charge of with interest because, I mean, he's obviously a big name and, and there will be a lot of people out there seeing whether he succeeds or not. I don't think he's going to be a tracksuit manager. That's my... Uh... It will be good to see what he wears. I think he should, I think he should have to wear a, a, a tracksuit. Fuck it. Sweat right through it. <laughs> a shell doesn't suit. Doesn't sweat. I used to have a knockoff market job, Paul Gascoigne shell suit Love in it. about 1990. You should make him wear that. Okay, well, we can put in our requests. Tonight, we're watching football, especially you, Vish, because it's Europa League. Manchester United getting to play in the big tournaments. The real quiz. The real quiz. (laughs) We've all had the starters, haven't we? Up against Copenhagen. The prime cuts. (laughs) Just a a small little (laughs) glance over at that one from you, Vish. How are you feeling about it? Uh, Yeah, I'm feeling, feeling pretty good. Pretty good. I don't think you can take too much from the last game because it was the chance to 
you know, rest some players really, and having that five nil cushion was was good. Um, FC Copenhagen having been in the in best shape since returning, they obviously got through there to this stage of the Europa League last week, but they lost the Danish um, top flight title as defending champions through like a run where they didn't win in six and they lost four games, including to the eventual champions. Midgetland, is that how you say it? Midgetland. Midgetland. Yeah. Yeah. Not Midgetland. <laughs> Disrespectful. <laughs> and as we know, Scandinavians are generally very tall. Yeah, so. yeah it's ironic, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, because that's not their name. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's for. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. but it, it, this is actually very important. I think having the having the carrot of Champions League football achieved already with that win over Leicester City was vital because it puts less pressure on on United going into this and Solskjaer in particular who will has to well, has to look at this as a chance to win a title you know so many managers have talked about how important it is to win that first title mm. and especially so with these United players because not a lot of them have actually won anything um, if you think back to when United won the Europa League in 2017 I think only four of those 11 starting players are still in the squad at yeah. the moment it's been a lot of upheaval hasn't it yeah um, and that squad in particular was a bit of a mess but Oli Gunnar Solskjaer is talking about how he's got younger players at his disposal now. And one of the benefits of, you know, it's not a great benefit, but one of the benefits of being in the Europa League has meant that he's been able to give chances to um, Mason Greenwood, obviously. Um, and, you know, through that, we can we can build something because you've got Brandon Williams as well. You've got younger players who've started off in this competition who now have the chance to, to go on and win it. I, I think United should be pretty comfortable winners today. Um, I can't wait for that to be thrown in my face tomorrow. Yeah. Yay! You um, won't be here though, will you? Yeah. So that's all right. Uh, the other game there, Vish, is Inter Milan against Bayer Leverkusen. I'm not going to ask you to preview that, but we'll probably be chatting about it tomorrow. tomorrow. I, was, I was just going to very, very quickly jump in and say that I wonder who they're going to pick in goal. I thought you were going to mention who was going to be the goalkeeper. Because I, I, I feel like it might be Romero. Yeah, yeah. And I might get that thrown in my face. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was like, oh, I have the best problem in the world when oh, it comes to one, picking. One of them, did he? Yeah. It's a nice problem to have. Oh, Jesus. So I look forward to him not picking Romero, that being thrown in my face, as long as, as well as the fact that that no pillow, no party t shirt was probably some kind of Photoshop done by someone on the internet <laughs> and that he didn't actually wear it. So, uh, we were, and it is midget land. <laughs> yeah, and it is midget land, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I really believe in that pillow yeah. party t shirt. So I hope I, that is true. I've got an, um, an probably an outdated thing in my mind that Sergio Romero is the, Romero is the, is the best second choice keeper in the, in the league. So if he does play... He what about might... Willy Caballero? Jesus. No, yeah. he's better than Caballero. I think he is. Yeah. yeah. I suppose I was thinking about in comparison to what you're up against. But he's literally no longer the second choice goalkeeper, is he? Because, he? because he's now the first choice goalkeeper. Yeah, you make an excellent point. <laughs> well, anyway, we're going to be throwing all those things back in your face uh, tomorrow, but you're not going to be here, so it'll be fine. Yeah, I'll just probably mute my mentions and get on my life. It, tomorrow, is, <laughs> I'm, I'm back, though. Um, <laughs> the contempt. <laughs> Who are you back with tomorrow, Kate? Andy and Jim. Mute those mentions, Luke, and no. say bye. Most people on Twitter are absolutely lovely, and the ones that aren't, as I've said, I've muted. Goodbye. Say bye, Vish. You're all great. Bye. <laughs> a late save. And it's bye from me. Catch you next time. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.